Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi folks, thanks for joining us. It's Ian Jamieson here um, with Ange. There's a few on the call, but that's great. So we're going to go a question each to start with, I think. And we've got a long list here, but we'll just kick off if you're good, yeah? <laughs> Colin Watt, would you like to go first, Colin? Sure, thanks, Ian. Hi, Ange, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. Colin, how are you, mate? Yeah, doing good. Uh, just be- before I ask the question, just wanted to pass the condolences on um, after the sad loss of Betty yesterday to um, his family and all of the, the Celtic family. So very sad to, to see that. But um, the question to you, Ange, <clears throat> you spoke at the start of the season about this being a, a long-term project and the project has different phases to it. You'd say maybe phase one was the summer window, getting the players in and then behind the scenes bringing in guys like Anton McElhone into the sports science uh, department. As we approach phase two of this with the January transfer window coming, what do you see as the focuses for yourself and your team, both on and off the park as we enter phase two of the project? Yeah, um, so I guess um, from my perspective, even though, um, as you said, um, I mean, I go into every sort of uh, new opportunity or new job with with a vision for the long term, but not but totally understanding there's some short-term objectives we need to attain as well, particularly at a club like this. So, um, you know, I was very uh, reticent to, to sort of talk too much about um, sort of the, the medium and long-term objectives of the club, because I didn't want people to think that we were dismissing what was before us. And as we all know, the early part of the season is a really important part of the season for, for this football club, both in Europe and, and domestically. So, you know, my, my thoughts and probably my sort of remarks have been about the present because I, I still think that's the most important part of what I'm doing. But uh, beyond that, as you said, we, we went through the initial window where um, bringing in the right type of players for the football I want to play um, was important and, um, you know, it was a busy period as well chronicled and then also sort of assessing the, 
the organization here in terms of the staff and, and, and the infrastructure. And as you said, we brought Anton in, who's been a fantastic addition. Um, yeah, before that, I was very comfortable with the staff we have here and, and their ability to to work in the manner that I want and set the environment like I want and, and be able to sort of execute the plans I want. So that meant that I could sort of look beyond what's here and see the gaps we have. And uh, there's no doubt going into January, as I said, we, we've still got some work to do with the playing roster, particularly in terms of depth in certain areas. And then, uh, you know, I think in terms of the structure around here, I still think we need some work around our, you know, recruiting and and uh, a whole sort of uh, scouting department and, and, and that area. And that'll sort of be the next sort of focus for me to make sure that, you know, we get the right people in that area so that we, um, you know, it's probably the one area where, you know, football is um, changing rapidly in terms of the information that's out there and how you get that information and how you use that information around, you know, particularly around scouting. So that's kind of the next step for me in terms of uh, sort of January. Well, thanks very much for your time, and All the best for, for Saturday. Cheers, man. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Uh, Celso here. Hi, Ange. How are you doing? Good, mate. Um, the Celtic fans have, of course, fallen in love with Jota. Um, do you expect any movement on that deal in January or will the club and the player wait until the end of the season to get that finalised? Um, look, I think with all those kind of issues, well, I know that you know people sort of um, get really excited. I, I, I tend to again, let those kind of things happen naturally because, you know, for me what's important is um, when I signed, say, and Jota's probably a good example, was it wasn't just, I wasn't just signing someone who I thought had talent. I, I was signing someone who, who really wanted to come to this football club. That's really important for me um, because I think this football club gives you a unique stage if you're an ambitious footballer um, because – you get to play in front of big crowds in a fantastic atmosphere. You get to play in Europe. You're constantly challenged every week to be successful because this football club demands that. So <clears throat> for me, it wasn't just about signing talented footballers. It's signing players who can fit the style, but also who want to be here. And and that extends to, you know, whether we keep people here. You know, for me, the situation with Jota or, or anyone else who's here is that if – if both parties want this to continue, I think we'll make it continue. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to be jumping at, at you know, um, uh, situations uh, for any other reason that I think it's the best thing for this football club. And, uh, you know, Jota's enjoying his football here. He's loving the club. He's loving his teammates, the way we play. He loves, you know, playing in front of our supporters. Um, if that continues, then, and he wants to stay at this football club, then we'll make. Um, I'm sure you know we'll we'll start those negotiations and, and come to an agreement. That that's not going to you know satisfy everyone because I think you know people just think you should you know just sign players as soon as um, they show some potential. But as I said, for me, what's more important is that we have footballers here who appreciate what they have and. Uh, is certainly doing that at the moment. So I can't give you timelines. Um, all I can say is if he continues as it is, then, you know, uh, I'm sure he'll be part of this football club uh, beyond this season. 
Thanks very much, Ange, for your time. Thank you, mate. Patrick, welcome. Hi, Ange. How are we doing there? Good, mate. Good stuff, man. Um, one of the questions I've got to ask then is, obviously, it's been five months since you've you've arrived at Celtic. Um, and understand you, your understanding of our league, of this the size of this team there. Um, but one of the things I would want to know is, how are you finding life over here in Scotland? How are you finding the furore with the fans and what obviously they bring bring to the club and what they bring to yourself? And are you settling in? And most of all, are you loving it here at Celtic? Um, it doesn't feel like five months, mate. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, people, It's probably the question people ask me most is you know, um, sort of, hey, you know, how long I've been here, I've got no idea because it feels like... Uh, I've been here forever, but also feels like I've been here a minute because, um, you know, of everything that's happened. Uh, life's great. I, I really can't complain. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I came here understanding the responsibility I have as football manager of this you know, great club, and I take that very seriously, and, and my focus has totally been there, and I've got, I'm lucky because I've got a real supportive family, particularly my wife, who understands that. You know, in these initial stages, that's that's where my mind's going to be uh, pretty much all the time. And um, you know, that's not that's not a sacrifice for me. It's um, it's uh, you know, it's it's what I'm really passionate about and love. So you know, I've settled in really well. Um, uh, the fans, the the football club, everyone at the football club um, have you know embraced me from day one, which. Um, has been equally uh, sort of humbling as it has been um, exciting for me because, uh, you know, I know that I have not yet sort of probably earned the, 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 the support I'm getting because we haven't achieved anything yet, which, again, is a great incentive for me to, to give back and, and, and try and bring success to this football club. Um, and generally life, it's great. As I said, my wife and my kids have settled really well. Um, People have been really good to me, um, just in the general public. Or, you, know, um, you know, people sort of say you've got to be a little bit wary. It's just, it's just not my nature. We know we'll, we'll go out and about and, and do the things that normal families do. And if we bump into people, and I'm happy to say hello. And uh, and everyone's been you know, super kind and uh, super generous. Um, you know, I, I often say you folk don't understand just how uh, friendly and welcoming you are um, in comparison to, to the rest of the world. Um, so I've been invited to numerous people's houses who I've only just met. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's been great. Um, but at the same time, um, as I said, I don't take the responsibility I have um, for granted in any way, shape or form. I know why I'm here. Um and it's not something. It's not something that's um, about fulfilling myself personally. It's about contributing to this uh, great football club and, and its supporters, and and uh, and hopefully um, bringing some happy times here. Where we meet. All the best. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Patrick. Um, Paul at Celtic Times TV. <coughs> Hello, Paul. And we'll come back, Danny. <coughs> Danny. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, and thanks for your time. Pleasure, mate. And um, question for, for me really is: it's clear that momentum's been been building um, over the last period of weeks. Um, a really tough run of fixtures that, that feels like we've come out in, in a really good place. I think what's been clear is a real togetherness 
um, the players, the management, and the fans. Certainly, the last number of away games that I've been at, I'm really starting to see that come through. And you hear a lot about in football how important that is that the fans and the players and the management team have got that that connection and, and that togetherness. But from your perspective, why is that important? How does that help? Oh, look, it's it's kind of it's it's essential. You can't have success without it. Um, you know, people sort of talk about it in many different forms. They'll, they'll talk about it, the sort of team spirit or a culture. Or, but, you know, unless you're a total unified force um, as a football club, it's very hard to have success because you're kind of then relying on, you know, so many factors um, from an individual perspective that for it all to come together, it just it becomes insurmountable. Um, we know how how challenging it is to have success anyway, but being unified was essential for me. And and I guess the key for me was we had, you know, 12 new players arrive uh, in a dressing room, um, you know, quite significant personalities and characters had left um, the dressing room. Um, so, you know, you kind of know there's, there's going to be some, um, I guess, uh, trepidation there amongst the, the players as to how quickly they gel and, and they get to know one another. Same with the staff. I mean, I I guess I'm, I walked in on my own without, um, you know, additional staff, but, you know, they still had to get to know me and uh, obviously I'm in, a, I'm in a significant position here and I'm sure that they sort of tread warily around me, all the staff, until they got to know me. Um, so we had to do all that quickly and then um, I think, What's been pleasing is that um, players and staff have embraced that challenge of trying to gel as quickly as possible. Um, it's hard when you've been thrown together as, as strangers to do that, but there's been a common purpose there. And, 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 and you know, obviously Cal's been a big part of that, you know, him being the leader in the dressing room in particular, of just making sure that... Um, all the new players settle as quickly as possible, feel comfortable, create the right environment in the dressing room where it's not just about, you know, obviously we're coming here to, to, to be driven and ambitious, but also to to understand that we need to rely on each other. And, and uh, you know, we've brought in some more senior players, um, you know, Joe Hart um, and guys, even guys like Nero, Bitton and, and Tommy Rogic who have been here a while, Um you know, those kind of people are really important to creating that. And then and then the key for me then became with the fans, you know, and I said the players from day one, I, I just sensed the fans, if they saw us playing the football that I wanted us to play, um, they'll forgive us in the short term for any mistakes or inconsistencies if we're at it for, for 90, 95 minutes, if we're going at oppositions, if we're getting them up off their seats, if we're getting them excited, the fans will buy into that and um, and pretty much from day one and you you guys all know we haven't been the most consistent from the first day what has been consistent is that the supporters have been right behind the team and and that's great because the the boys are feeding off that I know they are you know they're they're looking forward to every game home and away um, knowing that that, you know the the support's right behind them and and that energy can drive them on so hugely important Um, again it's still in the early stages something we need to to, to grow and it's 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 a challenging thing because you know I don't want players to become comfortable here either it's it's making them understand as you said we've been through a really good period but it means absolutely nothing if we if we go flat again uh, we got to we got to drive on and, and be better in this period than we were in the last and um, 
you know, that's that's my job to make sure that, you know, yeah, I can drive everyone in this organisation uh, to reach their potential. Good luck and sadly. Thank you. Thanks, Erin. Hi, Erin. Hi, Ange. Thanks very much for your time. Um, Pleasure. Since you've joined Celtic, you've clearly demonstrated how much you've bought into the ethos and the core beliefs held by much of the support and what Celtic truly means. The Celtic supporters are a poetic group of supporters with a close connection to their faith and heritage, which you would have seen last week at the Tommy Burns story. And I'm sure you would agree there wasn't a dry eye in the room. After attending the play, how much did the story and the atmosphere in the room help to further your understanding of Celtic? And what did you take away from the play, both from a managing and a personal perspective? Yeah, um, look, in terms of... Um, buying into sort of the ethos and, and the culture, it, I, I haven't had to do that too much because it's just fairly closely aligned to my own beliefs and, and my own sort of upbringing. So I felt comfortable from day one. I knew I would because I kind of understood the football club I was walking into. And um, so it's, it was a lot easier for me for maybe to to understand, you know, the, the kind of... Um, culture and the kind of football and the kind of person that that this football club wants to be at sort of in this sort of position because uh, as I said it's it's closely aligned to to my own beliefs my own values my own upbringing um, so I guess that's with those kind of things it, it resonates more when it's it's more natural and I think for me trying to you know persuade people of uh, that I believe in this so um so yes, I think that's that's probably the primary reason that, that maybe people have responded positively to to me in the position. Uh, in terms of the play, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, loved every minute of it. Um, you know, obviously, well aware of Tommy Burns and and his story, and um, but you know the the people putting on the production, it was obviously something very close to their hearts, and and you know they played it that way. Um, and uh, you know, what came through is. I think I said a couple of days after is you can you can admire the accomplishments and the achievements, but it's it's the man that that sort of uh, breaks through. And I've um, you know I've, I said that about sort of Ferenc Bushkas when I, when I got to spend time with him. That these great people, the greatest people, are the ones who who stack up as as men or women rather than just their achievements and. Um, you can see with Tommy Burns, it's a reason that you know people hold him in such high regard. Um, unfortunately, you know we lost uh, Birdie yesterday, and again, you just read what people have to say about the man, not the player. There's a great lesson there for everyone, I think, uh, not just uh, not just me. Uh, I think for every person out there that being a decent human being, being irrespective of your achievements or your status in life. Um, goes a long way to, to ensuring that you, you do leave the right sort of legacy for yourself, your family and, and your name. Absolutely, Ange. Thank you and good luck for Saturday. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. David Flanagan. David? Hi, Ange. Dave from the Sanic here. Hi, Dave. In your book, Changing the Game, you frequently circle back to the importance of this idea of, in your own words, finding meaning in everything that you do, both inside and outside of football. Could you expand on this idea and how it influences you as both a Celtic manager and your day-to-day on the pitch, but also for your long-term vision for the club and your players? Yeah, um, 
appreciate you reading the book. Uh, you know, um, so um, look, it's 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 central to to what I do, to be honest. I mean, and, and I don't keep it a secret because I, I talk about it to the players every day. You know, I think as much as people talk about um, the tangible things, I guess in life, and particularly in sport, in football. You come to a club like Celtic, and you know, the, everyone makes you well aware that you, you're expected to win every week and expect to have success. And um, you know, everyone talks about that incessantly, not just at this football club, but in sport in general and football. Um, but my view on that is that you've got to find meaning beyond just winning. You know, winning can't be the end game because everybody wants to win. Um, for me, what's more important is how do you want to attain that? You know, what's how you want to attain that victory? How do you want to attain that success? You know, in what manner, with what kind of football, with what kind of behavior, what kind of team do you want to be? What kind of people do you want to be? How do you want to represent yourself? That's much more important. And I think when you nail that, and that's what I've tried to do throughout my career, then you're more than likely to create something special because people are driven by more than just getting three points uh, or getting a victory in a game of football. Um, because obviously when you're meeting an opponent you know, who's equally determined to get those three points, often you know, what, what wins is the team that has something greater driving them than just getting those three points. So for me, it's always been about in a football context, well, you know, the football we play. I, don't, I just don't want to win. I want to win playing a certain way. Um, and I drive my players and my staff to do that every day so that there'll be games we win where we walk away and we're disappointed because we didn't play the football we want. Other days we'll, we'll be disappointed we didn't win, but understanding we're on the right road because we played the kind of football we wanted to play. So that's where it becomes really important for me. And and I guess that's, yeah, as I said to the players, that's every day. That's, you know, if you can find meaning in, in the way you live your life, because if 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 the if the the motivation is just to make money or to have fame or to you know do those things, well, you know um, there wouldn't be a person on earth who wants to do that. But if there's meaning behind what you do, then those kind of things come to you anyway. Thanks for saying, Thanks, man. Thanks, Declan. Declan McConville. Good afternoon, Ange. Um, just to ask you, you'll have realised the, the strength and depth of feelings and emotions that Celtic fans have towards the, the heroes and legends, particularly after you attended the, the play last week. Um, you'll probably read a lot about Bertie uh, Old the past day, and uh, I read what Callum McGregor had to say just earlier on. How important is legends and former Celtic players to have visible and around the club, especially for, for youth players breaking through the ranks? It's important for everyone, not just youth players. I mean, I, I've walked into here and I've just had a chat to Danny McGrain and I just had a sit down before that and spoke to John Clark about his. I mean, it's, you know, I, I pinch myself sometimes because I'll bump into these guys and, you know, you, you kind of realise, again, what a privileged position we're in. So it's not just for the youth players, it's for every per person, every player that comes, every staff member that comes through. Here that you know I, when you when you walk into a club like Celtic, um, irrespective of your position, you kind of feel you know you're walking a little bit taller, and you feel like you're 
you're a little bit stronger, um, and particularly in a position like mine. But that doesn't come from what I bring to it. That comes from the fact that I'm coming to it, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, you know. You're in an elevated position because of the people that have come before you and created this. Um, you know, I understand that it's past players, managers, um, supporters, uh, the founders of this football club that create what it is here today. And, you know, you walk out in front of 60,000 at Celtic Park. I didn't, I didn't create that. We didn't create that, the ones who are here now. Um, what we can do is try to um, sort of honour that and, and bring our own little bit to it. Um, but also always, always, always understanding that whatever success that we bring, this current group to this football club, it's on the shoulders of some some absolute giants that have come before us. And, um, you know, having them around uh, is a constant reminder of that, should you need it. Uh, but uh, I think this that's the one thing that this football club does probably better than most is that it understands its past, it, it uh, heralds its past and, and rightly places it um, in the highest possible position of this football club. All the very best for Saturday, Ange. Thanks, mate. Uh, Hamish. Hi, Ange. Hi, Hamish. The, the vast majority of signings you've made in the summer have really already made an impact at the club. Um, but I wanted to ask you about three who maybe haven't played as much. Um, the two boys from Sheffield Wednesday, Liam Shaw, Asazio Regidi, and also James McCarthy. How have they settled into life at the club and <coughs> Could we see loan deals possibly for, for Shaw and Urigidi in January? Yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I am pleased with sort of the majority how they've settled in uh, so far. It's, it's been, a, you know, to be fair to all the players, um, the new ones um, and even some of the existing ones, it, it's been a bit of a baptism of fire for them because we've just thrown them in and knowing that um, they're going to be measured straight away against, uh, you know, as I've just spoken about, past teams, past players. So <clears throat> certainly hasn't been an easy introduction to any of our players. Um, and the fact that so many of them have already sort of <clears throat> hit the ground running and, and made an impact is great and, and positive. Uh, the key to that is to keep going, obviously, because, um, again, uh, we're only sort of in the early part, early stages of, of developing this football team and our players. Um, uh, with the three guys you've mentioned, um, all different sort of scenarios. Um, you know, Sazi and Liam, difficult for them in the fact that, you know, sometimes when you bring in young players, and they certainly players we brought in as sort of development players, um, <clears throat> much easier to bring those kinds in when a team is settled. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we brought them in at a time where, you know, a lot of new players are in the team, the team's still finding its way and, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get a lot of game time for them, but they're working hard at training every day. Um, they're, you know, they're pushing themselves. Um, I believe, even though they haven't played, they've improved as footballers. And um, you know, if you train every day with us, you know, one thing I will say is you will improve. And it's about now getting them the right opportunity. That may be here. That may be, <clears throat> as you said, a, a loan deal somewhere. Um, but. Um, yeah, we'll make those decisions. You know, come January, we'll sit down with the boys and, and see what their best sort of uh, way forward is. But yeah, every day, like I said, I believe they're improving. They're working hard. They've got great attitudes, and 
you know, football's a funny thing. Sometimes uh, it's very difficult to, to kind of align yourself with opportunities and the timing of them. They come along sometimes when you least expect it, as I said to players uh, consistently, um, just be ready for it when it comes. And, and those two are. With James uh, McCarthy, it's a little bit different. Look, uh, again, you know, people have to be sort of a little bit... Um, I don't like making excuses for the players because, again, it's, you know, they understand the responsibilities they have, but especially guys like James McCarthy, uh, Jack Marcus is in that sort of um, um, category as well. We signed them when they weren't with clubs. They'd already left their football clubs. They hadn't done a pre-season. They'd been training on their own. The difference between them and a... I mean, Kiogo came straight off the season, but Jota was doing pre-season. Um, the likes of um, uh, Carter Vickers were still playing with uh, Tottenham games. So all these got other players who've sort of hit the ground running and, and are doing well um, either had pre-season with us, came in very early. The Alabada was another example. He came in very early, got a good pre-season with us, even though we threw him in quickly. He's, he's had more time. But James and, and, and Jack and Marcus probably the, the two you know, they, they came in late. They hadn't done pre-season. Any football will tell you missing pre-season is the most crucial part of the year. So we just got to be patient with them and, um, you know, give them time to to sort of get up to speed. They're both, you know, um, training hard. They're both um, ready and available. They both had some little injuries, which is not surprising considering the fact they didn't do pre-season. And, I mean, I... You know, people aren't here every day, but we train really hard. You know, the intensity and tempo is training is is super tough. And, um, you know, it, it takes players different sort of times to get adjusted to that. So um, they're here, they're, they're working hard, and, and and James will get an opportunity. And, and I'm sure when he does, when he's ready, he'll he'll show his quality. Thanks, Andrew. Enjoy the best. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, John Reed. John. Uh, hi, hi Andrew. Hey, John. Uh, I'd just like to ask her about Kyogo. He's obviously started excellently uh, for the team this season, but he played a lot of football, obviously, last season in the J-League, so he's played a lot of football this calendar year. Is that something you're going to have to take into account, especially in the second half of the season, to make sure he doesn't get burned out and can play as many games as possible for us? Yeah, um, yeah, people haven't taken too kindly to me resting him so far, so um, I guess it's not the most... uh, popular way forward but yeah look I again uh, as I've always said I I understand that um, there's this um, sort of urgency to 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 do certain things but I'm pretty methodical kind of guy there's there's science behind everything we try and do and and I listen to the guys who 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 are working in the in the medical teams in the sports science department my coaches the people who spend time and there are times we need to just be really mindful of, you know, that these guys aren't robots. If we want them performing at the highest possible levels, then we've got to be making sure we look, we look after them from a physical and, and, and even a, a sort of psychological perspective. Because as you said, uh, <coughs> Kyogo, you know, I think he's second top goal scorer still in Japan. I mean, he, had, he played a hell of a lot of games there and he's had international games. We know he's had an injury. He's come back here. So, um now, you wouldn't know it talking to him because he wants to play all the time. He wants to train all the time. He's constantly smiling. But, you know, we, we've got to be look beyond that because he's not just here for, for three or four months. You know, we want him here for, for a long time and establishing himself as, as a fantastic player for this football club. So, yeah, we're, not just with him, with all our players, we're, we're constantly monitoring them. Um, I think the fact that 
we have a mid-season break is going to be helpful to us, uh, particularly for, for someone like Kyogo. I think uh, with a bit of luck, we'll get him through to that period without missing too much football. And then, you know, there's a good time for us to give him a bit of a spell, which it'd be the normal time for him. That's the end of the J-League season as well. So he'd be looking for a bit of time off. So, But with all these decisions, um, you know, sometimes, as I said, I think people probably get a little bit frustrated or, or, or disappointed when, when we make, those decisions or I make those decisions but I don't always get them right but I'm always making sure that I'm using every bit of information I have before making them and, and using every bit of knowledge I have so um, they're not made um, you know they're not made without any other thought than what I think is best for the, the player and the club Thanks Ange good luck Saldi Thanks mate Thanks John <coughs> David Paul, David. Hi Ange how are you? I'm good Dave and can I ask you um, for a comparison between Japanese football and Scottish football after you've been here for a number of months now in terms of the culture, um, the way the, the games are reported, the standard of football? Um, for instance, could you see a player from the Scottish League being transferred and being a success in the J-League? Yeah, look, um, some some uh, some similarities, a lot of differences. Um a lot of cultural differences, uh, just different countries. Uh, um, I lived there, you know, with my family for, for almost four years. We, we loved our time in Japan. It's a different um, um, different kind of, as I said, culture, a different kind of environment. Um, but, again, people very, very uh, respectful and, 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 and embraced us in Japan, but, different to here you know i didn't get invited to people's houses in japan when i met them but um they were equally as welcoming in different ways so uh, but both um you know both in terms of the football i enjoyed my experience in japan the level the technical level of the game there is great uh the crowds are great um you know we, we were averaging 35 40,000 pre-covid um, at yokohama and they get right into it they sing their songs um <coughs> Again, it's different because um, in comparison, you know, their football clubs are maybe 30 years in existence. You know, they don't have the history. They don't have the culture. Um, they don't have, you know, the, the stories that we're talking about here. Um, so <clears throat> there's a different feel to it, but equally as passionate. Um, as I said, the standard of football is is very good. Um, they've got some, you know, quality, uh, both Japanese players and foreigners that keep the standard high. It's a bigger league. There's... Um, Obviously, I think there was 20 teams this year, but it's an 18-team league usually um, and very, very competitive for the most part. Uh, you know, I can see, yeah, I mean, I definitely can see you know, Scottish players, uh, you know, but they'd have to be the best Scottish players to go over there and make an impact because um, the general level of Japanese players is very high. So when they bring imports in, they expect them to be of the highest possible quality. So um, it's not an easy league for foreigners to go into, um, to be fair. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I, I, like I said, I enjoyed my time. In the case of how it's reported, um, you've got a lot more pundits here, let me tell you, um, and a lot of more pundits who are ex-players of clubs. So uh, I do... Um, that, that, that's certainly very, very different from the way it gets reported in, in Japan and... Uh, um, it's, I guess for me, it's it's entertaining at the moment because it's it's kind of new to me after the four years of a relatively uh, reserved uh, media uh, back in Japan to uh, to what we're getting here. But as I said, it's it's all part of the fun, and um, 
I'm enjoying it. But as an experience for me, it was um, it was priceless. I, you know, it's what I love about football. You know, I, I love you can go in a different country, different culture, and and they still love football as much as anyone else, uh, as people here. And you know, I love that. Uh, that you know, that, that common thread of the passion for this game is 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 throughout the world. Thanks, Ange. Thanks, David. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Scott McCrory. Yeah. Scott. Well, Ange. Hey, Scott. First off, I uh, hope you and your yours are all well and thanks for taking the time to speak to us. Pleasure. David's question is actually a nice wee segue into mine, to be honest. Um, Ange, so you, you played and you managed to a pretty high level in... Uh, and the continent is often looked down upon by Europeans to their detriment. And in bearing in mind, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, um, I think you're proving you've got an eye for a player. So with that in mind, do you believe there's any nations or league that are basically untapped and could and maybe should be looked, looked at in the future for European clubs and more importantly Celtic? Yeah, no, I, I, I guess, you know, obviously the majority of my football sort of career and, and and life has been on the other side of the world. And, you know, I've seen football grow in that region, um, particularly in Asia, <clears throat> particularly over the last sort of 15, 20 years. And it, it's it kind of – I think it's kind of snuck up a little bit on, on the world. I, I think you see it in football in general. I mean, you even look at the qualifiers, you know, the World Cup qualifiers now, and you'll see nations all of a sudden competing for World Cup spots that – you know, 20 years ago, we used to sort of dismiss as minnows of the world and very few countries like that exist uh, here in Europe. And I think um, particularly European clubs are, are taking notice of that. But I, I, I still think there's a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to Asia. Um, there's some top quality players already from Japan and, and probably South Korea, the two biggest nations who are already fantastic talents um, that are, have proven themselves at the highest possible level. Um and there's definitely more there. Uh, I know it. I've, I've lived it. Um, the the technical level of the players uh, from that side of the world, um, their discipline, um, the way they sort of think about their football careers. They're very, very focused. Um, <clears throat> I think what they've maybe lacked in the past, and uh, you know, Asian players in particular, is that sometimes they've been they've been wary of taking that leap across the world, the other side of the world into the unknown in terms of culture, in terms of these kind of things. And <clears throat> as more and more Japanese players and, and South Korean in particular players have made it here, I think that's encouraged them that they can make that leap and, and, and feel confident about it. Uh, Iran's another nation that's got some fantastic footballers. Um, so, look, I don't want to say too much because I want to sort of corner the market ourselves. <laughs> so I don't want to give, I don't want to give too much away, but. There's, there's definitely talent and I think you'll see more and more of it um, sort of filtering through to to clubs on this side of the world um, and and I'll even see, I think you'll even see it in, in terms of world football you know world football context when you see some of these nations at World Cups you they'll start improving their results and, and more and more people will take notice for sure outstanding thank you very Thanks, much Scott. Um, Ryan Fitzsimmons Ryan uh, <coughs> hi I'm pleasure you too mate um, the, the last five years at Hamden has been incredibly successful for Celtic winning multiple trophies so how excited are you to manage at Hamden for the first time given the chance to as well secure your first cup final with a club 
Yeah, super excited. Looking forward to it. Um, as you said, uh, um, yeah, this football club's been a, a regular participant and visitor to, to Hamden in, in, in recent years. And um, yeah, everyone tells me it's a, it's a fantastic experience. So, so looking forward to it tremendously. And I'm sure the players are because, again, we've got you know, the majority of our players will be their first time uh, experiencing it as well. So, um, um, yeah, we understanding it's it's a massive game for us in, in terms of the context of the season. We've done well to get us, you know, to this stage. I guess, you know, that was my sort of, not concern, but my biggest focus in the early part of the year was that I didn't want our inconsistency to, to cost us down the line, whether that was in in Europe or in 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 the in the cup or or even in the league that I knew we'd be up and down in the early parts because of um yeah, the having so many new players playing a different way, me being the new manager, there was some key games we need to hit and and you know you know we had that game against uh Hearts in, in, in the first round of the Cup. It was really important at that time that we won that because, you know, it kept us alive in this competition because I knew that eventually we'd hit our straps. Um, it was the same in Europe, you know, even though we missed out on the Champions League, really important for us to get in the Europa League and just hang in there. Um, and we've done that. And the same in the league. We obviously, you know, we dropped a couple of games early on, which, um, oh, you know, you, you don't want to happen. But for me, I kind of knew that was going to be our challenge. So, the fact we kept ourselves alive in all those things and now, you know, hopefully we're, we're definitely more settled and, and we're, we're, we're playing, um, you know, fairly consistently now. Um, I'm super pleased that we're giving ourselves an opportunity to, 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 to play in a semi-final and then progress to, to, to hopefully a cup final. So, um, yeah, great to be in this position. Now the job is to, to, to push on and make sure we, we take advantage of the opportunity that we've given ourselves by, by just hanging in there. And as I said, credit to the players and staff that, you know, they hung tough through that early period. And, you know, now it's up to us to sort of take it to the next step. Thanks very much, Ange. Best of Thank you, mate. Um, Martin? 20 minute terms, Martin? <coughs> hey, Ange, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Uh, how would you, we've come a long way since the start of the season, but how would you rate both yours and the team's performances so far this season? How far away are the team from being where you want them to be? Um, look, I, it's not something I, I kind of consciously try and measure or, or look at. I mean, I, you know, I, I think what, what I have been pleased about, as I said just now, is that the players in particular, because they're, they're the ones in the difficult position of being out there, they've shown real resilience to, to get through the sticky patches we've had. Um, and that's a good sign for me because um, it shows that whatever challenges we're going to have ahead, and we're always going to have challenges at this football club, um, we've already shown that we've got, apart from our football, um, the character within the team to, to keep uh, pushing on and, and, and believing in, in what we're doing. Um as you said, we've improved a lot. We, we, to be fair, we started a, at a fairly low base because we were a brand new team. And um, but yeah, you know, I, I, at some point, it, it's not now, and and it might not be for another, you know, twenty years when I'm sitting on the beach with Ian somewhere in Mykonos. That you know, even those, I look back at those two Michelin games and the fact that we hung in there for so long in those two games, considering we, the majority of our signs hadn't even come to the club yet. We've thrown a lot of young guys in. Um, you know, we lost in extra time. Uh, and, and, you know, Mitchell and a lot more settled than we were. 
it wasn't that I thought there was a, a gap in the, the quality. They were just some good signs for me that we're up for a fight as a, as a football club and as a team, and um, and we've grown since then. So how far along are we? I don't know because I don't know what the end point is. You know, I want us to be the best team we can ever be, and uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. So uh, what I do know is that we've improved, and my job is to make sure that we keep improving. So what we did the last sort of period was better than the period before, was better than the period before that. Well, my job is to make sure that when we get to that last period of this season, we're playing our best football of the year. If we're doing that, then we're giving ourselves a chance for success. Thanks, mate. Best of luck. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Martin. I think finally we're going to go to Celtic fans TV again, um, if we can. Yeah. yeah. Paul, Hi, Paul sorry, I got the wrong name. Paul, sorry. Yeah. Good day, mate. Um, you've talked a bit about recruitment already today, um, but aside from technical ability, what are the key qualities that you look for in a player when judging whether they'll be a good fit for you and, and for Celtic? Um, look, for me, a big part of it is sort of, and, and, it, and it's, it's hard because it's very hard to measure when, you, when you're talking about um, you know, scouting players, is just their character and their motivation, what it is. Um, the way we play our football is not easy. You know, you're asking, you know, goalkeepers to, to to play out from the back all the time. You're asking centre-backs that, you know what, you're going to get between 60 and 80 passes a game. You know, you play in other teams, you might get 20 or 30, and most of the time you just knock it along. You know, I'm asking fullbacks to go into areas where, you know, they've probably never been their whole lives, so midfielders to to think a bit differently, strikers to work out. So there's a real big expectation on guys who are prepared to do beyond what the conventional is. So, as I said, it's hard to measure and hard to distinguish sometimes, but, you know, all the players who've signed, I have conversations with, and, and I'll just try and see if I can pick up something in them that says to me that they're going to embrace what, we, what we're about. Um, because, to be fair, like I said, if you there's a lot of talented footballers in the world, and, and, and sometimes the differences between them are, are super marginal, you know, and... and um, for me, what then becomes important is what kind of person they are. Are they going to embrace what I want them from them that, that probably no one's ever asked of them before as footballers and, and as people more than anything? Because it takes takes courage, yeah? It takes character. It takes, um, you know, so many of those human qualities that got nothing to do with their ability as footballers to play the kind of football that, you know, I want them to play and I, I hope can be successful for this football club. So, so that's a key bit. And, and I think for the most part, like I said, we, we've got it right in terms of I've seen players and not just with the ones who, uh, who, who were bought in, but even the existing players, you know, um, guys like uh, Tony and, and Cal and Turnbull, Tommy Rogic, these guys, I'm st- they still have this burning desire to improve as footballers and and take on the new information that we're giving them and about the way we want to play. Um, so, if it's just on their technical abilities, I could get you know a fantastic centre back who just not interested in playing out from the back. That makes it impossible for me. It's you know square pegs, round holes, all that sort of stuff. So um, that's the bit I look for. Um, like I said, it's not an exact science, and I don't always get it right, um, uh, but. Um, for me, it's a, it's a key sort of component of the, the people we bring to the football club. Thanks, Ange. All the best. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Paul. I think that's us, folks. Everyone's had a, a turn. If not, please shout. 
All good. Ange, thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Again, take thanks, care. Thanks. Thank All you. the best. Take care. All the best. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.